One of the most inspirational movies that I've ever seen was the movie Unbroken. Uh, it was a movie back in 2014 about the life of a man by the name of Louis Zamperini. Zamperini was uh, an American living in California, and he starred for the United States in the 1936 Olympics. Uh, he came home, served as a pilot in World War II in the, in the Pacific, but was shot down uh, on, a, on, a, on a normal flight. And he and a couple of men from that plane survived and were stuck on a raft for 46 days in just the open ocean of the South Pacific. He was eventually captured by a Japanese ship, was a POW, and was brutally, brutally tortured throughout uh, the end of that war. And the movie sort of ends there when he's freed uh, from captivity, but it doesn't really mention that after he came home, he became an alcoholic. And at one point in his life, though, he kind of turned it around. He became like a born-again Christian, if you will. And he went back kind of preaching the gospel as an evangelist, sort of uh, after the mold of Billy Graham. He went actually back to Japan in 1950, and he went to Sugamo Prison in Tokyo, where a number of the people that tortured him were kept. And he went to those war criminals, preached them the gospel, and forgave them. <clears throat> it's amazing to think about it. This man who had every reason to hate those war criminals, every reason to despise them, every reason to think of them as unworthy. But he forgave them. He preached the gospel to them. He saw them as his brothers in Christ. He saw them as capable of redemption and capable of repentance. In our first reading today, we sort of see the apostles behaving the same way as Louis Zamperini did. We see Peter specifically engaging the people, engaging the Pharisees. In this early part of the first reading, we hear Peter sort of giving a laundry list of all the bad things that they had done, all the bad things that those people had done, how they wanted Jesus dead, how they wanted a murderer to be freed rather than the author of life himself. He sort of lays out everything bad that they had done. And we can see how Peter would have been personally hurt by everything that those Pharisees had done. You think about it, Jesus was his closest of friends. So he's essentially saying, yes, you, you wanted my friend dead. You celebrated when he was dead. All of these things gave Peter every right to be angry, every right to be resentful. But he didn't. Peter was never angry with the Pharisees. He didn't hate the people that killed Jesus. He loved them. He saw them as possible members of the body of Christ, if, they, if only they wanted to. He had pity on them. He had mercy on them. We hear him say that, I know that it was out of ignorance that you put him to death. He's almost making excuses for them in a way. Even when he could have hated them, he did not, just as Christ did. Rather, he told them simply, repent, be converted, and have your sins wiped away. That doesn't sound like hate. It sounds rather like the most loving thing that anyone could have ever done in that situation. Peter is willing what is good for those Pharisees and the people that he is preaching to. He is willing and hopefully helping them on that road to repentance, toward conversion, and hopefully redemption someday. We shouldn't be surprised that this is the approach that Peter and the apostles take because it is truly the same one that our Lord took while he was alive on this earth. If you think about it, Christ never hated 
the Pharisees. He loved them. He might have strongly disagreed with things that they did. Think of maybe his cleansing of the temple. But he never hated the Pharisees. He loved them. And he asked God to forgive them even on the cross. He saw in every single person that he encountered, he saw the potential for redemption, the potential for repentance. Christ saw that every single person needs those things, and every single person is capable of them. Zamperini saw that in the people that tortured him. The apostles saw that in the people that were persecuting them. And our Lord saw it in the people who killed him. God does not want us to harbor anger towards those who don't follow his way of life or even who might disobey his teachings. It's maybe the classic example of hate the sin and love the sinner. Unfortunately, our world misinterprets it so much. But our Lord wants us all to repent, to be freed from sin, to despise what in our lives is sinful, and to love what is good. God wants us to receive, in fact, a very great gift. And maybe a better way to describe that, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner, because it is so badly misinterpreted, is is that God calls us to conversion so that his love can be perfected in us, as we heard in our second reading. God wants to perfect us, continuously perfect us, all the way until the end of time. That's what conversion is, growing in Christian perfection, allowing God to perfect himself in us just a little bit more, growing in his likeness just a little bit more. Every single person is called to this, to grow in Christian perfection, to be converted, if you will, and have what is sinful in our lives taken away. Now, today, again, many people think that the church might hate those who disagree with her, who persecute her, or who live in ways or relationships that go against her teachings. They misunderstand quite badly the philosophy of hate the sin and love the sinner. But we see that the church takes the same approach as Jesus and the same approach as the apostles in our first reading. Yes, we have to acknowledge sinfulness, but that happens so that we can be converted, that we can repent, and that we can be cleansed of our sins entirely. Holy Mother Church wants Christ's love to be perfected in every single member of the church. This isn't done out of hate, but it's done out of a desire so that everyone can live out their potential as God's children. God sees in us what Louis Zamperini saw in his torturers, what the apostles saw in their persecutors, and what Christ saw in his executioners. The church sees in us souls capable of conversion, of redemption, and of holiness. Souls capable of becoming saints if only we turn away from what is bad and embrace what is good. So today, maybe we can pray for the grace to see others in the same way. If we struggle in our lives uh, with hating the sin and loving the sinner, if we sometimes mix the two of them up, maybe we can pray for the grace to see others just as our Lord saw them. And if, in fact, we might struggle with church teaching, maybe we can pray for the ability to see how God sees us and return to grace and holiness and be converted and follow the call of the Apostle Peter. And let's pray that God's love can truly be perfected in us, that we can repent, be converted, and have our sins forgiven.